Good evening, everybody. I'm going to hopefully now say the second half of the Shabbos HaGadol Drasha, which was titled, Stealing the Shekhamen. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And why do we do it? We all know that the Seder is there for the children. The Torah makes that abundantly clear in four places, that we're obligated to answer our children's question, tell them the story of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. The Seder has many parts which are there solely to encourage the children to ask questions. As Chazal Seila has Mia to make them wonder, to, to amaze them, so that they ask questions. These are things put into the Seder from the time of the Mishnah, and perhaps even earlier, with other components being added later in the Gemara and through the ages. Why do we dip Karpas in salt water? So that the children should ask. Why do we cover the mat and uncover it? So that the children should ask. But I'm willing to bet, if you were to ask a child, or ask yourself, to remember that when you were a child, what was your favorite part of the Seder? What do you think they would answer? I think we can safely say that the answer would be the most exciting part is stealing the Afikaiman. The children can't wait until the opportunity presents itself, and then they debate where to hide it, and then have the fun of you trying to look for it, and of course, the negotiations and the eventual prize. But what's up with this minig? Is it something which is endorsed by our Chachamim? Does it have any sort of source? It seems strange to encourage children to steal. Truth is, this is a hotly debated topic, and has been debated for literally hundreds of years. The earliest mention of stealing the Afikaimen I could find is in a sefer called Chak Yaakov. It's a, a purish. It's printed in the Shulchan Aruch on Helchus Pesach. And he mentions this minig, and it was clearly widespread already in his day. And that puts it back to the mid-1600s, 400 years ago. He says that the apparent source of this minig is a statement that the Gemara makes. Chaitvin matzah belele psachim. You grab the matzah on the night of Pesach so that the children should ask questions. But we'll get to that a little soon, what that Gemara exactly says and what the Gemara means. So he says that that's apparent source. There's another sefer called Nehe Katsun Yesef, who was printed in the early 1700s. He endorses this minig, and he says, you know what, it's a good method of keeping children awake. And we can't debate that. There's no question. It definitely helps to keep the kids awake. There's a famous story that Rabbi Yainasen Eibeshitz Zatzal, who lived in the mid to early 1700s, and he was well-known. He was a Rosh Hashiva and Gadol Hadar. Many of the Rabbanim of the following subsequent Dar were his Hamidim. And he was also a, a well-known genius as from, from childhood and on. So the story goes that he stole the Afikaiman as a child, and he demanded that his father buy him a new court, coat in return. So his father acquiesced. But when he was giving out the Afikaiman, the child of Yainasen didn't receive a piece. So he asked his father, wait a second, where's my piece of Afikaiman? And his father said, ha, if you want a piece of the Afikaiman, you're going to have to forego your earlier demand. Whereupon Rav smiled and took out a piece he had kept for himself, having foreseen this possibility. They used to tell us this story as kids, you know, just to warn us. <laughs> However, others farm frown upon this minig, and yet others demand that it be abolished, and others claim it's the opposite of Chinuch. There's a safer Shalos and Shuvis called Miladavis, where the questioner asks, why would we encourage stealing? And he says, you want to keep the children awake? Rather let them sleep than teach them to steal. 
But the actual Mechaber of the Sefer, whose name was Rabbi Shral David Margolius, he lived in mid-1800s, he goes into an amazing explanation at length of the symbolism of this minig. Sefer, another Sefer called Ma'ere Ar, printed at the end of the 1700s, comments on the fact that there's such a minig. He says that this is a made-up minig. He says it's foolish, and non-Jews say that the Jews are teaching their children to steal, and it's symbolizing by Enatulas Mitzrayim, that we took all the wealth of Mitzrayim, and he writes, one who abstains from this minig is praiseworthy. A little later on, they quote Rav Chaim Brisker, who lived early 1900s, at the end of the 1800s, and he said the whole minig is a mistake. And he commented on the source of the Gemara that says that you grab matzah, he says it's a mistake. It can't possibly be referring to the Afikaiman. You know why? He says the Afikaiman represents the carbon Pesach, right? We're eating the Afikaiman because it's as in the place of the desires of carbon Pesach. And the carbon Pesach required Shemira. It, needs to, it needed to be watched. It was a holy carbon. A carbon, if you don't, if you, like, forget about it, and Masiach does, you don't pay attention to it, it becomes possible. You can't even eat it then. So there's no way that you're supposed to steal Afi Kaiman. Rather, he says, grabbing the matzah just refers to when the person makes the bracha of Hamaytzi Lacham and Alachilas Matzah, generally it's respectful to allow the person who made the bracha to eat first. But on the night of Pesach, everybody grabs a piece of matzah and it's done just to make the children ask questions. Roshlein Zalman Arbach Zatzal and others insisted that it not be referred to as stealing Nafi but just hiding Nafi so as we see, this is something which is debated back and forth. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Should we stop it? How should we call it? But the fact is that among all different parts of Kali Yisrael, Hasidim, Litvak, Sfardim, this minig has nonetheless prevailed, despite being controversial and different un- difficult to understand. And the funny thing is, the best source of the minig, which is the aforementioned Gemara about grabbing the matzahs, which has many different pshatim, but even those who say it means to grab matzah, literal understanding, they say it means that the adults should steal the matzah out of the hands of the kids. And now the exact opposite happens. The children steal the matzah out of the hands of the adults. But hey, it's the 21st century. I guess that's not a question. Of course the kids are going to steal it from us. And the same way the children are supposed to ask the questions and we're supposed to give the answers, and nowadays we ask the questions, and they give the answers. But nevertheless, many efforts have been made to explain this minute. One safer I saw had 17 reasons for this minute. It has become a focal point in our Siddharam, and it has a source from the Gemara, which is equally as interesting. So let's try to understand why this is done, what the message is to us and our children. And there's a very, very deep and underlying message in the Afikaiman, and indeed is a theme which runs throughout the Seder, as we shall see. If we want to understand Afikaiman, we have to examine the different parts of the mitzvah. One thing that's certain about the Afikaiman, we take a matzah, we break it in half. We keep one half with the rest, and we hide the bigger half. It's called tzafen, the hidden part. What's the significance of that? And then the children, they steal it, and we eat it eventually, zecher to the carbon pesach, and we don't eat anything afterwards. Many Swam discuss this, and two main ideas emerge. One idea is that the hidden half, the larger part, it represents the world to come. Alam haba. Roshim Schwab, that's how, quotes his father, says that the Seder plate and the smaller half of the matzah represent this world, with its trials, which are sometimes sweet, sometimes bitter, 
Mara experiences. The larger represents the world to come, and it's only eaten after we have filled ourselves up with mitzvahs on this world. It's nechalal hasiva, when we're full of Torah and mitzvahs, that's when we get to the world to come. And that's why the children bargain for a reward for the matzah. It's symbolic of the reward in Olam Haba. That's Rav Shimon Schwab's approach and others. Another idea is that the Afikaimen represents the days of Mashiach, the final redemption. There are many references to Mashiach in the Haggadah. The only true source for the famous phrase, L'shana Habab Yerushalayim, it comes from the Haggadah, as we end the Seder. And it's how we begin the Seder as well. When we say Halach Ma'anya, we say L'shana Habab Bahar Yisrael. The Seder is headed in that direction to bring us to the ultimate redemption. All from Jews believe that this world is merely a proizdar. It's a corridor leading us somewhere else to the real and final destination. Our lives and Avedis Hashem, they revolve around this truth. We serve Hashem and we live our lives in hope to merit the final redemption, Yemais HaMashiach, because we know and we have been told by the Nevi'im that it will happen. And we know that the world is in Gullus and it's not the way it's meant to be. We know as well that even if we don't live to see Mashiach, but after we pass on, after 120 years, we'll enter the world to come where we will experience the true purpose of the world, to enjoy Gan Eden, the ultimate closeness to Hashem. And we teach this to our children from the earliest age that they can understand. So here we have this big mass in front of us. We're all starving. We would love to eat it. But we tell our children, no, 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 we're not going to eat that yet. We're going to put it away for later. And in addition, we're going to be careful not to eat too much before we get to Afikaimen, because the main thing is the Afikaimen. And that's what we practice in this world. We control ourselves in many ways. We live as Jews and we keep Torah mitzvahs. Why? Because we have our eye on the goal, the future, the world to come, and the days of Mashiach. But this is difficult to do. We do, have to world, after all, live in this world, and the world to come, it's a concept. Yemaisa Mashiach, it seems very far off. How should we be mechanach our children to forgo what this world seems to be offering? The things that the Yetzirah throws at us, all the pleasures which beckon to us. How do we teach ourselves? The trick is to bring the enjoyment of the world to come into this world as well. The Mesil Sharm, in his introduction to his Sefer, the first chapter, expounds on this concept. He says a person was created solely to enjoy closeness to Hashem. Hashem. Everything, anything else is pure foolishness, he says. But he continues and, and says, we can begin to have our world to come in this world already. The world is more than just a simple corridor, a prep room for Elam Haba. We can begin to have Dveikus Bashem, to connect to Hashem in this world already, and through that experience, feel a piece of the ultimate pleasure that there is to be had. As David HaMelech says, There's only one thing I want, The only thing that's good, the only thing I enjoy, is Kirvas Alekim. It means he didn't enjoy anything else. Why? Because when someone does experience closeness to Hashem, that becomes the ultimate experience of joy, the ultimate experience of pleasure, and everything else is simply foolishness. So, of course, this is one approach to the concept of stealing the Afikaiman. The enjoyment is in the world to come, but we can steal it from there and start to enjoy that in this world as well. How? By doing mitzvahs, learn, dominating, learning, and becoming close to Hashem. But how do we do that? Can we expect from a child to understand Kirvas Alekim? How can we cultivate this sense of enjoyment 
and value, and how do we teach it to ourselves? So Chazal had a few different approaches to this. All of them are necessary. And I saw one safer tying it in to this Gemara of Chaitz and Matas and how the, the Rishonim explain it. And I'd like to share this beautiful approach. When this Gemara is brought down, it's brought down by the Rambam originally. He says, Chaitzin matzam zem yadzeh. Yeah, because you have to do things differently this night. So children should see. You have to grab the matzah one hand to another, one person to the next. Other Rishonim add, Kadesha yishtashu So the children enjoy it. They get excited. And the Namukha Yosef, another Rishon, adds, Derech schoik. It should be a game. And there is the key. We make a game out of it. Of course, every Jewish game has meaning to it. And this one as well. But we make a game. And that's how we get the kids. The story is told that the Chazanish would walk with his young nephews in the streets of Nebrak and play a game with them. He would remove his glasses, pretending not to see. And they would lead him through the streets and he would try to guess which street they were up to. When they were much older, they realized that the game was really a method that the Chazanish had to avoid seeing inappropriate things on the street. And he did it through a game. And it was a lesson, which they appreciated much later. The message is clear. Make Torah and mitzvahs fun. The enjoyment a child understands is candy and fun. That's the association every child must have with Torah and mitzvahs. The Chacham asks his question in the Haggadah. He wants to know, tell me, well, tell me everything about carbon Pesach. And we answer him by telling him, We tell him an interesting halacha of carbon Pesach, which we also observe, that after we eat carbon Pesach and Bayasta Afikaiman, we don't eat dessert anymore. That's the last thing we eat, so that the flavor should remain in our mouth. Now, why do we pick this particular halacha to tell him? So it's brought down from the Siddur of Rashi and Master Vitri, a fascinating thing. The Gemara says, that you're supposed to give out nuts and kernels, which would be, in our time, candy, before the Seder, to interest the children. Now, interestingly, this is one thing which is not such a popular minig, but it was a real minig. The Gemara says to do it. Give out candy before the Seder. So the Chacham has a very good question. He says, every day, you don't allow me to eat candy before the meal. You insist I save it until dessert. But today, we're eating candy first. What are we doing that for? So we answer him, because today we can't have dessert. The last thing we're going to eat is carbon Pesach. That's the final course. So that's why you're having your candy now. But there's an important symbolism in this. We teach our children to learn and do mitzvahs. We offer incentives. We have candies. We have treats. And when they get older, we have to up the ante. We give larger rewards, cash rewards when they're in high school, and so on and so forth. What's the point? Why do we do that? The reason is, we want them to develop a love and appreciation for Torah and Mitzvah. And we want them to realize that they're more valuable than any reward, and do them for their own sake. We want them to get the association straight, that Torah and Mitzvah are the candy and money and the prizes. This, the Torah and Mitzvah is the real thing. And that's what happens in the Seder. It begins with candy. But the final dessert is actually Afikaiman itself. You can start with candy. But when you get to the end, the final product will be the children will realize that this is the real candy. The mitzvah is really what's the real thing here. That's what's the real enjoyment. How does this work? Chazal already assure us. If we do Torah mitzvahs for the wrong reason, we'll eventually learn Torah and do mitzvahs for their own sake. Why? Because once you get a true taste of the beauty of a mitzvah, of the sweetness of the Torah, and you're old enough to appreciate it, 
that becomes reward enough. If David Amal says the only thing in the world that's good and enjoyable is Kirvis Alekim, that was as real to him as eating steak is to us. And if it could be that real to him, it can be that real to us too. We play that game with our children. We give them candy and they enjoy it and we give them rewards and the rewards are what their association is, why Torah mitzvahs are enjoyable. But then they start learning Torah. They start doing mitzvahs and it becomes pleasurable for itself. They get an enjoyment in it. They love that. They love mitzvahs. And then eventually it becomes so enjoyable that the candy and the, the rewards are unnecessary. You start with the candy, but you end with the afikaimen. There's a deeper thing here as well. Playing a game with our children is a very, very important way of connecting with a child. It's an educational game, it's true, but it's a unique way of spending time and of showing and giving attention and love. There's a lot of things we do with our kids. We do homework with our kids. That's a necessary evil. We ask them how their day was. Sometimes we are interested in hearing the answer. Sometimes we're not. We do our other things. We, we're busy with everything else we're doing or we're kind of listening, and our kids, the kids, they know the difference. But if we play a game with them, we sit down on the floor and we play a game with them, that's real focus. And more than that, is descending into your child's world rather than trying to drag them up into the grown-up world. And that's what Chazal wants us to do. We can really connect with them. Why then is the child stealing? Because at this stage in his life, his value of Torah and mitzvahs still measures up against the prize. So he steals the mitzvah motivation and asks for a motivation he can appreciate, and we give him one. But when he grows up, the Afikim in itself is the prize. Another thing to understand and to appreciate what Chazal were doing here is that the world we live in makes everything else very exciting. In our school system itself, the secular studies program, they have videos, they have PowerPoint presentations, all kinds of media, they have Chromebooks, everything is employed in teaching. And when we teach Limudei Kaidish, we have to counter that and make Kaidish as exciting as in, and engaging as well. And I'm not suggesting departing from the Chumash and from the Black Gemara, but a Rebbe who is alive, enthusiastic, gets super excited about a question, explodes with joy at a good terrace, that's live entertainment. And that's better than any video. And we in our homes, we're those teachers. We're those rebellion. And we have to make the presentation exciting and alive by being exciting and alive ourselves. The second explanation given by the Rishonim for chitzen masses, why we grab masses, is that we grab masses in an effort to display chivuv mitzvah, that we love and value mitzvahs. We grab mitzvahs. That's how important they are to us. We find this concept in the Mishnah as well, that Carbon uh, Pesach, his father tells his children, whoever gets to Yerushalayim first, he gets the chus of being the owner of the Carbon Pesach. And the Gemara says, why is he doing this? To make them zoros about mitzvahs, excited, vigilant, enthusiastic, attentive, and swift to do mitzvahs. In the very mitzvah of matzah itself, the Pasuk says, Ushamartem esam matzis. And Rashi brings down a medrash that this should, should be read, Ushamartem esam mitzis. Be careful about mitzis. Don't let them become chametz. Grab the opportunity when they become your way. In the second bracha that Bilam gave to the Jews, he says, Hain am kalavi yakum, Ucha'ari yisnasa. 
Behold a nation who rises like a leopard, they elevate themselves like a lion, and they don't sleep until they have eaten their prey. What is he referring to? Sirashi says they rise in the morning and they strengthen themselves like leopards and lions to grab mitzvahs. They put on tzitzahs, they say kriyashma, they dab in shachars and they wear tefillin. Now, it might be uh, an effort to get out of bed in the morning, but once we're out of bed, do we feel like lions when we say kriyashma? Is it that hard? Is it, are we exhibiting the strength of a leopard when we put on tzitzahs? It doesn't seem all that difficult. So here's the secret. It's not that hard to just put on tzitzis. It's not that hard to just read Shema. You can find yourself after davening. There's a, a well-known shul in Geula called Zichron Maisha. It's a, it's a, a, a minion factory. They have multiple minyanim on every inch of floor space, including the lobby, here, hallways, stairwells, and more. Every day of the year. One of the Rosh Hashivas I had once said about his Bachram who would go there instead of davening in Yeshiva and they would catch chakras at any time, any odd hour. They would say, I don't know exactly what they do in there. I just know one thing. They go in undavened and they come out gedavened. That doesn't require the strength or the lion of a lion or a leopard. So what does require that fierce energy is not just to do mitzvahs, but to do mitzvahs, to grab a mitzvah, to do it with fire and enthusiasm, with his fahavos and zirizus, lazarzim the mitzvah, doing a mitzvah bezirizus, is what the Mesilas Yisham describes as the level of malachim. There's a story with the, the briska rav that he would have a minion in his house in Yom Kippur, and the uh, majority of the minion was made up of Yerushalayim or Jews who they would they would, for them, the end of Yom Kippur would be 20 minutes after Shkia. But the Rizkarov himself, he waited something like 90 minutes. But he didn't want to stop them from davening Marav and going home. So he said, you, got, you could daven Marav at 20 minutes and I'll, you know, I'll daven myself later. So someone asked him, why don't you just daven together with them and repeat Kriyashma again later, you know, by your Zman. They repeated at 90 minutes or whenever it is your Zman is. So the Rizkarov said, well, it's Matzi Yom Kippur. I'm very tired from fasting. I simply don't have the strength to say it two times. Now you can give me a dollar, twenty dollars. I'll say, I'll say Kriyashma for you uh, ten times. No problem. Matzi Kippur, any day of the year. The Rishkarov couldn't say Kriyashma two times because when he said Kriyashma, every ounce and fiber of his being went into that, and that's grabbing mitzvahs. So we aren't encouraging our children. To steal the Afikaimen, maybe we should phrase it, we're encouraging them to grab the Afikaimen. And if we want to grab, so our children to grab mitzvahs, obviously, we have to grab mitzvahs ourselves. If a child sees that we get excited about doing mitzvahs, about the prospect of being able to do a mitzvah, it will influence them as well. And that's why we buy the Afikaimen back. We're demonstrating that all we have isn't better than a mitzvah. There's a story, a wonderful story, very powerful story. There was a Rav in Bnei Brak. His name was Rav Yitzchak Shlomo Anger Zatzal. He was Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva Machne Avram in Bnei Brak. He was also the Rav of the Chuk Chassam Sefer neighborhood in Bnei Brak. He once met Rav Yaakov Galinsky Zatzal, and he says, I have an amazing story to tell you. One day, one of his congregants came to shul and was shaken up. He was trembling. He was white. He had a frightening dream. And he related it to Rav Anger. Rav Anger, but he told him, first, I have to give you some background. This Jew, he was a Hungarian Jew, we'll call him Chaim. And he was deported during the very last year of the war, 1944. And all those Germans were losing the war. They made every effort to kill and deport as many Hungarian Jews as possible. They 
deported something like a million Jews in that last year. So he was sent to Auschwitz and all his family was killed and he was assigned to slave labor. Sharing his board, which they called a bed, was another Hungarian Jew. But this Hungarian Jew, he was an anical. He was a grandchild of a Hasidic dynasty, which is referred to as a Benan Shalkadajim. He grew up in a, a very holy house, and he himself was a holy Jew as well. And he was constantly speaking Amuna and Bitachan, trying to strengthen his friend and himself. He would grab every moment he had when he wasn't learning or being beaten to learn what he remembered by heart and talk about Tzadikim. So one day, this this and this grandson of Tzadikim turns to his friend Chaim and says, Chaim, Pesach is coming. We have plenty of mara here. But where will we be able to get a kezayis of matzah? Hashem granted them special siyat And near them, a grain storehouse was bombed. And this man, Chaim, was sent as part of the cleanup crew to salvage the grain. Now, if they were caught pocketing the grain, they were shot. But he managed to hide a few kernels here and there until he had amassed about a handful. So late at night, one night, he took two stones, he ground out the flour, he heated up a piece of flat metal, he added water to this flour, he made holes in the matzah with a nail, and then he baked the matzah. It was thick, it was hard, it was just a palm-sized piece, but it had two kizasim worth. His friend, the Enikal, he was overjoyed. He said, we'll both be able to keep matzah, both you and me. So Chaim hid the matzah in his sleeve. But one day, a German soldier noticed the bulge in his sleeve and he stopped him. The matzah fell out of his sleeve and the German, in a rage, stomped on it and then proceeded to beat the man to the, within an inch of his life. Lying there on the ground, he gathered together what pieces he could and he dragged them back to his bunk, dragged himself back to his bunk. After examining the pieces, he saw that, unfortunately, only one Kezaias was left. So now what? His friend this holy Jew started to beg him, please, let me have the matzah. I've never missed a Pesach in my life without matzah. But Chaim was astounded. What kind of chutzpah is that? I was the one who risked my life to get the wheat. I risked my life carrying around this matzah. Why should you have it? I'll, I'll be the one to eat it. But his friend, he just wouldn't let up. I know the whole Haggadah Balpeh. I'll dictate it to you. From Halach Ma'anya till Chagadja. Please let me have the mitzvah. But no, he didn't agree. Finally, his friend tells him, I'm willing to give you all the oil in my bar for this. What do I have? I've lost my family. I don't have anything. At least I should have a kazayas of matzah. Finally, he could not keep on denying his friend. So they made a deal. You, my friend, you'll eat the kazayas. You'll dictate the Haggadah for me. But I, Chaim, I am going to receive all the reward for this kazayas matzah, all the mysterious nefesh that went into it, everything that went into making this matzah, I will get that. You get the matzah, I get the reward. It's a deal. Night of Pesach arrived. They saved the Haggadah together. They cried by Lashana Yerushalayim. And his friend ate the matzah. The next day, in Yantiv, they were forced to go out to work. His friend, this holy Jew, was davening to himself. And he reached Howl and couldn't control himself. And he said the bracha a little too loudly. One German SS man heard and shot him. And he died there. Chaim survived the war, moved to Eretz Yisrael, started a new family, rebuilt his life, and he lived in Chukhsam Seifer. So that brings us to where we are today, Chaim says. Last night, Chaim tells Rav Anger, I had a dream. My friend came to me in a dream. He was clothed in white, and his face was shining. Please, he begged, I've received my reward for all of the mitzvahs I've done in my lifetime. 
except for that one kazayas of matzah, which you have the reward for. Please, let me receive the reward for that as well. So in the dream, Chaim was astounded. I can't believe your chutzpah. What kind of azus you have to ask me? We had a deal because I was the one who risked his life to make that matzah. I should have been the one to eat it. And now you want the reward as well? But his fed friend begged him, I know, but I was the one who told you when Pesach would be. I encouraged you to make the matzah. I read the Haggadah for you. I know I don't have much of a claim, but please, I've come down from the next world. I need this. Chaim still refused, and his friend departed dejected. He awoke all shaken up. Did he do the right thing? So he approached Rav Anger, Zetzal, and he asked him, what, was I right? Or perhaps I should be the matzah this schar for my friend. So Rav Anger told him, this isn't a question for a Rav. This is a question for a Rebbe. He sent him to the Machnavka Rebbe Zatzal, Rebbe Ram Yeshua Hashel Tversky, who was Mr. in the middle, mid of the 80s. So the Rebbe heard the whole story. And he said, you know, Alpi Yosher, in all fairness, you should give up the schar to your friend, your friend. The man, Chaim, was astounded. In all fairness? Maybe this is Lefnim Yeshua had been. This is beyond the letter of the law, but that's fear? That I should give it up? So the Rebbe explained, your friend, he's dead. What he has is what he has. Whatever mitzvahs he did in his lifetime is what he has, and he can't get any more. He has one mitzvah missing, which you have. But you, on the other hand, you're alive. You can put on tefillin. You can keep Shabbos, Yantav. You're raising children. Endless mitzvahs, everything they do will go on your account. Isn't it right that you should grant him this one mitzvah? Sechaim thinks, and he says, fine. If the Rebbe thinks that's the right thing to do, I'll be Mavater. The man said, no, no, the Rebbe says, no, that's not how this works. Here, take the keys to the Bis Medrash. No one is there now. Turn on the lights. Open the Aron Kaidish. Put your head in. Pour out your, shah, your head, heart to Rebbe Nishaladim. Tell Hashem the whole story from the beginning. Relive that night. Describe your friendship, the amazing brotherhood you had. Tell how he encouraged you to bake the matzah. Describe the night of Seder in hiding on your bed. Relive that night the last night of his life, and only then agreed to give up the schar for him, to give him nachas ruach in the world to come, and then come back to him. So the man, he did that. He went to the shul. He opened the Aron Kodesh, and he relived the whole event. By the time he was done, he was so exhausted from reliving the whole experience that he could barely walk. He could not go back to the Rebbe that night. He gave the, the keys to the Gabbai, and he said, tell the Rebbe, I'll come tomorrow. He went home. He went to sleep. Sure enough, his friend appears to him in the dream. He's shining. He's happy. And he thanks him for acquiescing to his request. The next day, he meets the Rebbe, and he tells him the dream that the friend came back and thanked him. The Rebbe wasn't surprised. The Rebbe then told him, you know, look at this story. This man, he grew up in a holy household, surrounded by tzaddikim. Before he got to the camps, he had done hundreds of thousands of mitzvahs. He got to the camp, looked through such trials and tests with Amuna and Bitachin, and finally he died al-Kiddush Hashem. If he had any Averis, they were immediately wiped out by his Kiddush Hashem. And as we know, no one can even approach those people in heaven. He's in such a holy and wonderful place. He's so close to Hashem. He's enjoying Gan Eden. But he's missing a mitzvah of matzah. And it was worthwhile for him to leave Gan Eden with all its holiness and pleasure, dragged down here to literally beg for a single mitzvah, a kazayas of matzah. And we, we have mitzvahs all around us, lying by our feet. Do we even bend down to pick them up? 
every line of Torah, every mitzvah, every kindness we do for someone else, every compliment, that's a mitzvah. And Klal Yisrael is chaytvinus a mitzvah, so we have to grab those mitzvahs. And that's what we're teaching our children when they grab the Afikaimen. But not only do our children have to steal the Afikaimen, we have to steal the Afikaimen as well. The concept of chaytvin masa, grabbing masa, means that we can steal madregas, levels of ruchnias, achievements in spirituality on the night of Pesach, which simply aren't available the rest of the year. We eat Afikaimen in the place of the carbon Pesach. The carbon Pesach was stolen by us, from us by the nations of the world who, stole, who destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. Do we have the slightest inkling of what it meant to eat a carbon Pesach, what that brought us to? Chazal say, means Klal Yisrael would eat the Kazai of carbon Pesach. They had to do that indoors. And then they would go up to a roof where presumably it was cooler and they would say howl out loud with fire and enthusiasm and the roofs of the city of Yerushalayim would fly off from the roar. Now, Hudner explains that this has a much deeper significance as well. The concept of blowing off the roof refers to what level of praise Klal Yisrael were able to sing on the night of Pesach. Every day of the year, we're very limited in how we can praise Hashem. The Gemara says, It's better to be quiet when you praise Hashem because if you add praises and then you don't say enough, you'll diminish. And who could say enough? Chazal say, we only say, because it says it in the Torah. Other than that, if a person starts adding, we say, just be quiet because you're not, not going to say enough, you're going to stop. But on the night of Pesach, he says, Klal Yisrael, after eating carbon Pesach, were on such a high madrega, they could blow off the roof, which means they could take off the limitations. They could put their heart into their praise, and they could say, and they could say, and it was so powerful that they did not have this limitation. That's how high of a madrega Klal Yisrael reached, simply by eating the carbon Pesach. Hassam Seifer writes that it's called Tzafin, from the word Marab Tzavcha, Asher Tzavtan It refers to the reward which is greater than the Sudas Leviathan. Eating at, at the Afikaiman is greater than eating from the Leviathan. It's a piece of the next world. We unfortunately don't have the carbon Pesach, but the Rapta Tzarebbe says that the Chacham asks us, why are we doing these things? We're in Golis, and we answer him, Kehilchas Pesach. In Hashem's eyes, it's equal to doing carbon Pesach. And you see, we don't eat dessert after Afikaiman because we treat it like the carbon Pesach. We can have a little of this level as well. We have to grab it and steal it as well. We have to know what we're doing when we're eating Afikaiman. Let me finish with a powerful story I just heard from Rafishal Shachter. He was in camp in the mountains, and there was an old Yid, a Holocaust survivor, there with him. He wasn't feeling well one day, and he had to go to the hospital, but he didn't really speak English. So Shachter went with him as an interpreter. The attending doctor, maybe was a Jew, he probably wasn't. So he asked, how old is he? So now the man, who even knew how old he was, the birth certificates in those days were all forged. So Shachter asked him, how old are you? The man looked at him and he says, he wants to know how old I am. Told him, he wants to know how old I am. Tell him, I think that I've eaten 85 Afikaimans. So official Shachter, being who he is, he gives this answer to the doctor. He says, he, ate, he, says he ate 85 Afikaimans. So the doctor looks at him, what? what's an Afikaiman? So Shachter explains to him, well, it's the dessert eaten by the Seder meal. So the doctor then asked, why would he count his age in such an odd way? So Shachter answered, I imagine, doctor, 
that he looks at his life and he sees what he's been through. His earlier years were in some small village in Poland where he was happy with his family and he ate Afrikaimen. Then came the war and he had to eat his Afrikaimen in the ghetto crowded with who knows how many people. The next year, he ate whatever he could find in some kind of concentration camp or labor camp. And then in the DP camp, he was piecing together his life and ate Daffy Kaiman as well. Then he immigrated here, nothing, penniless, rebuilt his family. He ate that Daffy Kaiman again. He looks at his life and he says, God, you brought me to one Daffy Kaiman. You took me from last Daffy Kaiman to this Daffy Kaiman, and I know you're going to get me to the next one. He lived his life, Daffy Kaiman to Daffy Kaiman, and that's why he counts his years by Daffy Kaiman. May we as well, when we are Zeicha, to eat Daffy Kaiman, to grab that mitzvah, to steal a little bit of the world to come, and enjoy the pleasure of the carbon Pesach when we eat the Afikaiman. May, may we also be full of praise and thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for giving us this tremendous Zuchos. Have a good night and a wonderful Yantiv.